Blossoming Faith, Proclaiming Grace, the Lily Podcast, sharing radical testimonies. Hi, I'm your host, Asia. So with the launch of our first episode, I just want to say I'm super, super excited. But I wanted to take just a quick moment to kind of talk about what's been happening getting here, getting to this first episode. So for those that know me and those that don't, I am a creative I have always loved social media. I have always been drawn to the creative spaces. And um, I think that this is one of the times, this is probably one of those unique times in my life where I have been so stumped lately. Like I have been second guessing myself like no tomorrow. And honestly, I'm, I'm literally pushing myself to put out this first episode, even though I feel like it's not ready. I feel like things are not totally fleshed out. Like even in my mind, like the ideas that I have for certain aspects of the Lily, like they, they're just not concrete. Like I'm just not totally confident in them. But I, I don't know if I'm second guessing myself because I'm actually not prepared or because there's like a level of fear setting in. So anytime that, you know, someone is talking about the kingdom, of course, of course, of course, the enemy is going to be there, you know, to combat that. And what else is he going to do besides give me thoughts of doubt and thoughts of fear and all these things so I'm really pushing myself to put out this content because I know that the testimony of the saint is powerful I know that people need to hear the testimonies of the saints I know that you know through the telling of a testimony God can become alive to so many different people in so many different ways so I know that what I'm doing is important. So that's why I'm I'm pushing myself to do it. The only thing that I will say is please, please, please give me grace because I am for the most part doing this by myself. It's my first time. I'm figuring everything out just like, you know, most people in business. So I am really looking forward to the journey but um i think that like in the beginning many things are going to change like the format might change you know intros and outros i'm not totally confident in what i have now but i really do hope that what i put out is enjoyable to my audience but more than anything i really hope that the testimonies that i'm going to be going to be sharing like through the lily podcast and even on like instagram and stuff i hope that all the content that i i'm putting out will draw in people and not draw them in for the sake of me and saying that I have a successful, you know, Instagram, right? But I want people to really begin to understand who God is. I want people to hear the gospel. I want people to ultimately get saved. Like that's what it's all about. It's about advancing his kingdom. And I want to be useful in God's hands. So that's why I started The Lily. And I really am excited for you all to be on this journey with me. I hope that it's as impactful for you as I'm intending it to be. But without further ado, because I could probably go on all day and all 
night. Without further ado, we're going to jump straight into our first podcast. I am here with my lovely sister, Sasha, and she's going to be sharing her testimony today. So can you start by giving me a little bit of background about how your life was before you met Christ? Oh, man, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) So I would say more like in adolescence, that's where I'll start. It's just basic rebellion. I mean, honestly. Um, So I was born to a teen mom who wanted to be my friend, literally. So I didn't really understand authority. Even like coming into Christ, I'm like, what? (laughs) But I was just a heathen. I mean, I was your whoremonger heathen, drunker heathen, didn't go to church. I I actually used to profess that I was atheist in college. Wow. I was that person that someone would talk to me about God, and I'd be like, but how? But why? And then this science. And then this, like, I don't even, like, looking back, I'm like, why? I didn't even study that. But right. Where did that come from? I, I guess it came from me wanting to be a doctor and like always okay. studying science. science. So, okay. yeah, I think that was really it. OK. What would you say was the turning point? Like what made you say like, OK, I like, need a change? Yes. In college, I'll never forget. I made a bucket list literally of like all the sexual things I wanted to get done before I graduated. Okay. Disgusting, right? <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I was so depressed. Looking back now, because I was, I would pass out drinking. And I just would continue in this cycle of like, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to go celibate. I think this is the best option for me right now. Like, I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of going through these cycles of depression. I'm going to go celibate. And then I met my first son's father. And he went to Rutgers with me. And he invited me to church. I went to church a few times. And I was like, okay, well, we'll be celibate together. And then we had sex one time. And I got pregnant. One time. One time. (laughs) One time. (laughs) And when I got pregnant, that was my turning point. Because I realized then how much I was in, like, need of a savior. That that was the point. I was like, wow. Okay, so I'm no longer depressed because I'm no longer drinking. I can't drink. I'm pregnant. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, I can't, this can't be the end of it. Like, mm-hmm. where does happiness, joy, love, like, where does that all come from? Because he, just, my son's father decided when I was three months pregnant that he didn't want, we, that was it, that we were done with that relationship. I'm like, all right, listen, I was born by single mothers. I've, that's all I've known is single mom. So yeah. it just wasn't new to me. But that was my turning point, being pregnant and realizing, like, this can't be the end. Like, where... Where in life is there joy, happiness? Like, mm-hmm. because I was just surrounded by so much depression and all that stuff. And then with this, now I'm, I'm bringing life into the world. Like, what, what's next? Right. So. Okay. So you said that your son's father invited you to church a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of, I don't want to say disappeared, but he, he left. Mm-hmm. Right. So with him out of the picture, what was the next step? Like, what? You said, like, okay, this can't be the end, but then where did you go from there? So, um, you got, you know, I went to Rutgers. So did Kazalia. Okay. And our first sons are literally five weeks apart. So she randomly sent me a <laughs> message. Random. <laughs> random. Because we were professing to be Christian, right. right? We were like, we're courting. Here we are pregnant, having a baby. She was like, literally commented on our picture that we were pregnant saying, 
do I hear wedding bells? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So I sent her a message and said, yes, actually, we're going to be getting married November 14, 2014. We already have the wedding set. Like, I'll be pregnant, but whatever. It's, you know, we need to make things right. Right. And I'll never forget after he had broke up with me because it was like months in advance, she had invited me to a teaching. And I was like, all right, well, yeah, sure. Mind you, I'm like five months pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, if that's what you guys have, I'll, I'll come. Mm-hmm. I'll come support. And <laughs> support, right? right? Support. And then I left like there is a God. I left because within the midst of the people that I was with, there was, you can feel it. Like, I kid you not, I didn't know at the time, but the pastor came and helped me put on my shoes. Mind you, I'm five months old. It's your first baby. You know, when your first baby, your belly belly barely shows. And she's like putting on my shoes. I'm like, um, ma'am, I can, I can put on my shoes. But it was just so evident. She was going out of her way to serve, to show me that she loved me. I didn't even get to hear the teaching. I only heard the testimony of... Um, the guy that was teaching, he was sharing on how his wife was paralyzed and mm-hmm. how like the Lord had healed her. And then I was like, well, I'm five months pregnant. I drove a long way. And at that time in my pregnancy, I would fall asleep at the wheel. So my excuse was I have to leave early because I need to make sure that I'm not sleeping at the wheel and I can get home and like yeah. be safe. But I'm like, man, that was a demonic attack. I miss a whole movement of God. Exactly. <laughs> but I knew where I was in that moment. Like, I'm like, this, these are people of God. Like, oh, this is very different than my every Sunday going to Baptist church <laughs> that my son's father, mind you, I still went, even though we weren't together, I would still go. Cause I, I felt that, oh, well, it's the right thing to do. Okay. You were still seeking, even though right. he wasn't in the picture. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So with you accepting this invite from Kazalia and then you leaving early what what happens after that because you know a lot of times or even in the situation you were with like going to church you go there you listen to the pastor then Mm -hmm. you leave and then it's back to reality right so once you left there was it like that same kind of situation where it's like that was great I experienced God but now I'm back to my life and like what happens now Honestly, it was such a yearning that I knew I had to be with her. Like every single waking moment, I wanted to be with these people. I didn't care what. And and it was, it was, I really felt now looking back, it was all God, like him positioning me, him pulling him, him tugging because I went in that room, even though I only knew Kazalia, I felt like everyone in that room wanted to be me to be a part of their lives, like a family. So even though she lived two hours away, I would go and hang out with her. But then I would spend time with people that she introduced me to and that were around me. And I would want to be with them every waking moment. Like I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, just so much love. There's like so much care. And were like, you always that friendly to like, yes. okay. Yes, okay. I've so always been So it wasn't even friendly. like, it's like, I need a breakthrough to be with these people. Right. It was okay. like, oh, these people are nice. Right. <laughs> so I, okay, I'll, I'll be around them. Yeah. So that's really what it was. Okay. It's just like feeling the tug, feeling the yearning. And then also, like, it's really the love. Like, the love of God's people. I cannot tell you. It's like, it's suffocating. But at the same time, you're like, you want to be suffocated. Yes, yes. It's like, <laughs> I need this in my life. Yeah. So it's just like, I wanted to be around them. Like, no matter what, no matter what, I wanted to be around them, so. Wow. 
Would you say that you've encountered any challenges or obstacles after experiencing that love and that connection with God's people? Oh, absolutely. I would definitely say when you first come into being a part of a body where there's true Christians and you feel that love, you start to realize every single thing that's not like Christ in you. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things that I felt that I knew that I struggled with was rejection. And I felt like that was the one thing, the biggest obstacle that would want me to feel I need to not be with these people. Because that's how the spirit of rejection works. It makes you feel like, okay, when I'm around these people, they don't really want me. Even though they're like, I love you. I want to spend time with you. Hey, do you need anything? Since you've been through so much, like in my life, being through so much trauma, being a single mom, there's so many different doors of rejection. Mm -hmm. So when you would be around them, it's like you love them, but then you will also feel like, am I really a part? You start to question yourself. Well, at least I did. And I would question myself like, okay, like, hmm. Am I, is it me? Is it them? Like, I, it just feels really awkward. That was my biggest obstacle until I got deliverance from rejection. Then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now I can really, like, be here. Right. Okay. Okay, so that the moment that you described when Kazalia invited you to the teaching, mm-hmm. and you said, like, you know, you could just feel God in the room, was that the moment that you decided, like, this is what I'm going to do for my li- with my life? No. So even after all of that and experience all that, and I think it was just a glimpse because I left early. Mm-hmm. So I would still come with her to fellowship. Like I'm, I wasn't a part of the church. I never, you know how like they're like, stand up, you're going to be a part of your life. <laughs> I never did that. Right. So I went through my entire pregnancy because remember I came when I was five months pregnant. I went through my entire pregnancy. I delivered my son. I had a supernatural childbirth because there was a woman in the community who kept on telling me like, this is possible for you. And after I actually experienced that supernatural childbirth, and I came back, I felt like I was delivered. Like, rejection was broken off of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've gotten more deliverance after that. But, like, in that moment when I came and they received me as a single mom and they received my child, I was like, this is exactly where I want to be. Like, I want to be with these people. Because they welcomed me like, hey! They, like, right. grabbed the car seat, took my baby. <laughs> like, do you need anything? I'm like, again? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you gonna help me take my shoes off too? So right. it was like, it was that moment that I felt the love yet again. Right. But I felt it and I seen it also onto my son that I was like, this is where I want to be. Mm. Like, these are the people. Like, this is it right here for me. Amen. How would you say your relationship with Christ has then impacted the relationships that you had prior? Oh, listen, I could have been a baby mama drama uh, lady, you know? <laughs> So that's definitely an impact because, of course, like I've said before, I that's all I've known is single mom. My mom's a single mom. My well, I was a single mom. Like everyone I knew, I grew up on my Spanish side of the family. Like I'm half black, but y'all know I'm not really black because I don't know nothing. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, that's all I really knew, right? And wait, what was the question? No, I, I got to, you were. I, <laughs> I asked how it impacted your relationship, oh my relationship. Right? So. Yeah. Seeing the love of God poured out on me, I knew that I couldn't act the way I used to act, Mm -hmm. even if I was angry, right? Because he disappeared. He wasn't really around. But I knew in those moments that that's just not Mm Christ-like. Like, I can't be having an attitude and Byron to my baby daddy (laughs) and then be like, ah, praise Jesus. Like, I love it. Like, it just seems so contradictory to me. And I've never been two-faced. 
I've never been what I'm, I am who I am wherever I am. Like right. that's always been the case. I'm always a loud, funny person. Like that's where, that's who, I'm, that's who I am. So I knew that I couldn't be saying that I love God and I worship God and I want to be with him and then go in my normal life with heathens, like in dealing with my son's father and my family. Cause remember I grew up in a, like we didn't go to church. It was mm-hmm. just straight atheist household that I couldn't go back to them and be like acting like I ain't had no sense right. or, or that I didn't have Christ. Mm-hmm. So being around those people made me realize like, okay, like I need to be Christ like in front of them. Cause that's, what's really going to win them. It's not me constantly hitting them over the head with scripture is really going to be how I treated them and how yeah. I love them. Cause that's what won me to Christ. It was, they weren't beating me up with scripture when I came, they were like loving me. Right. Like, oh, okay. Did that, did that take a while? For me to love them back, yeah, it was immediate. It was immediate because I received it immediately. Mm-hmm. So I knew it wasn't me like, I'm going to get there one day. Right. It was never, that was never a thought in my mind. I'm going to get there one day to love my mom how these people have received me. Mind you, my right. mom know me my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just no <laughs> way that I would walk out and be like, oh, here we go again with this lady. You know, like my friend, because mm-hmm. that was what my mom was to me. So. Wow. Can you recall a specific experience that you had after coming in, like after that initial experience you had with Christ? Mm -hmm. Can you recall something else that just reinforces who Christ is for you? Oh, absolutely. So after I had my first son, um, we had a conference called Love and War, and he was eight weeks old. I wasn't going to go, right? Leala was like, why not? I was like, oh, okay, you know. Like, at this point, when you're so fresh in Christ, you take any suggestion. You're like, okay, sure, yeah, all right, get on the plane, bring my little baby in, right. I go. So I remember getting there, and, of course, there's a lot of people you don't know because it's the regions, right? And, of course, when you want, when you get there, you want to be with the people you do know, so you're not, like, on the side, like, I just don't know these people. <laughs> and I'll never forget, my eight-week-old baby had a blowout, so there's poop everywhere. Oh, man. <laughs> poop everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't check into my room because the person that I'm rooming with isn't here yet. And I found Carmel, and she's from Florida. Mm-hmm. And she said, come with me. Like, come to my room. And it didn't feel weird. I wasn't like, what's this lady invite me to my room? <laughs> I knew, again, that it was the love of God. Like, I knew. Like, she was, she came to serve. Like, she invited me to her room. She introduced me to her children, her husband. She's like, change the baby here. What else do you need? Like, who, where are you from? She was, like, like, engaging me in conversation. And it was yet again, like, being served. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. These people love me. Just, they don't even know me. She's from a whole different state. And she's like, come. Like, what do you need? Like, let me help you. That was fantastic. Amen. So for people that can identify with being a single mom or being raised by a single mom, coming from a life of, you know, drunkenness, whoredom, Mm -hmm. all those things, what advice would you have for them when it comes to holding on to Christ? I would say... It would definitely be with all that whoredom, the drunkenness, there's a there's a space that they're trying to fill. Mm-hmm. And I think what coming to Christ, he just fills every single gap in every crevice. So the want and the love that they're looking for and every vice that they're getting between sleeping with people or drinking, that they can actually receive it from Christ. So I think it's like that shift in the mindset of thinking that this temporary thing can help me with that. Yeah. Will definitely help. Mm-hmm. Like that temporary thing is just, it's going to go away. Like you're going to wake up from, from your, and have your hangover. 
<laughs> or that guy or that girl is going to leave mm-hmm. and they're not going to be with you anymore because it was just this fling. Right. So it's like just understanding that Christ literally came to fill every hole and every gap. That's the biggest thing. Amen. So <clears throat> how how long have you been saved now? Um, I would say like almost nine years, ever since I was pregnant. Okay. And Eli's going to be nine in February. Nine years. Okay. And after you being or experiencing the love of Christ, the love of his people, mm-hmm. being in that for nine years, what would, how would you say your faith has now shaped who you are, how you approach different situations, mm-hmm. and just like your values and how you see life now? Well, through the nine years, man, you just all these trials, being in the dark night of the soul, <laughs> like getting married, going from being a single mom to like being married, having children with my husband, like the Lord has been so faithful mm-hmm. in all of that. So it's like, according to my faith, it's like I, I'll never lose. <laughs> I just exactly. never, I'll never lose. So the way it has shaped me through time is like now being in certain certain predicaments and situations is like all right. All right, Lord, where are we going now? Right. Like, I never look at a situation as, oh, my gosh, this has happened. The boy, what, 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 and you start questioning, worrying, doubting. It's like, all right, all right, Lord, I, I know there's something in this, whether for me to learn, to move on from, to learn about myself, to learn about my marriage, my children, my husband. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I receive that. Yeah. Like, instead of, like, bucking up to what he's doing, I mean, if he's, if I declare that he's my author and the finisher of my life, then I'm bucking up to things happening. It's like, it's, right. It's, it doesn't add up. Yeah. It's like being hypocritical. Yeah. So now when things come up, it's like, okay, like, Lord, if I surrender my full life to you and say, Lord, I surrender everything, I trust you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's all. It's awesome because it's just like steady. Mm-hmm. Like you're just so steady in God and who he is and, and all that he is doing and has done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we see just unsteadiness when it comes <laughs> right. to, you know, believing God for who he said he was. Right. <clears throat> Can you share a specific instance that, you know, where a challenge might have risen up? And mm-hmm. it's like, this is how I'm going to believe you. Uh, when my husband and I first got married, I'll never forget he got fired from his job. I think we were married like three months. Two, maybe. I don't know. And I'm like, I'll never forget this. I decided to go on a five-day fast. My mom comes over on day three, and she goes. I never tell my mom stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would never tell my mom, oh, my husband lost his job. He told her, because he's very close to his family. His family like this. My family like this. <laughs> so we're not even touching. <laughs> we're not as close. I'm like, why are you doing that? What you want to do? Um, and she comes over. She literally says, I, I raised you to be independent. I raised you to do stuff on your own. And I was just taking down points. I'm like, Lord, I repent for independence. I repent for wanting to do some of my own. Right? And that was the one instance that I was like, Lord, you're faithful. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember, even though she came in with the voice of the devil, right. <laughs> literally, like, you should get a divorce. Like, just saying crazy things. And I thank God. I was literally third day of the past. I'm like, my mom's just coming up in here just 
wrecking havoc. But it really didn't wreck anything because I was so steadfast mm-hmm. in that past, number one. And number two, when we look back at that time, we had no need or want. Nothing like rent was paid. We had food. Like Amen. nothing. We didn't even realize that he lost his job. <laughs> Mind you, I wasn't making the best of money. It wasn't like I was balling or anything. But we had one income, and he was able to see us through that. And then each time we've been married for five years, each time something like that came up, Bernal would remind me. Remember, mm. remember, because I'm the worry ward. Yeah. Like, I'm the one like, nah, yeah, ah, there's children. <laughs> we got to pay for this. Brunel's like, but remember, like, we didn't have a need. Wow. Like, we never had a need in those moments, in those times. Because then I lost my job after we had our third baby. And I had that thought of like, mm. oh, my God. Like, you know, you want to freak out. <laughs> but my husband's like, but re- he's that person that's always like, remember when? Awesome. Remember, <laughs> Remember when, when you need those when, people. Because <laughs> you, you lose it. You'll be like, but <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> right. But it, it, it's he always reminds me. And it's such a fantastic reminder. Even now in a situation that came up recently, I didn't even have that. That's how my faith has grown. Like, so Amen. now in this situation where we're like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to do this? I'm like, it's going to get done. Right. I, he has not failed me yet. <laughs> Like Amen. he has not filmed me, so in this, I'm like, okay, well, what do we do now? We are gonna serve the people. We are gonna pray. What we gonna do? <laughs> we gonna do something? I'm not gonna sit here and worry because it's just he just has not filmed me, right? So I feel like I already know the answer, but the last <laughs> question I want to ask is, who do you know God as? Oh man, a provider. Amen. <laughs> That's all you yes. said to me. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget. Like, I have so many testimonies of his provision. So I literally know him personally as a provider. And what's fantastic about it is he's so different in other people's lives. And Mm -hmm. when you have relationship with people, you'll hear their testimonies of how they've, like, I have a friend, he's her deliverer. He becomes so many different things. So many different things. Like, always delivering her from something. Then I have another friend always healing her from something. So I know him as a healer. I know him as a deliverer. I know him as a provider in my own life. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just you get to see him in so many different ways. But my testimonies have always been provision. Like, um, I'll never forget an instance. I have so many stories. I've never forget an instance where I was part of the I was part of my church now, and um, student loans don't care if you're a single mom, right. if you're making like just graduated, making these little ten buck two money, like they don't care. And I'll never forget having like twenty five dollars left over after I paid for everything, and that's not including groceries. I didn't. So I have me and my son. I'm like I won't eat. Like, whatever. I don't. Literally, the Lord used another person that go is in my in my church. Her mom worked at um, a food pantry, and she would bring me groceries every week. Wow! Every week, I'm like, and I I was like, you know, I don't have no need. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a need. I don't have a need. He's always been my provider. Always. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, please like, follow, share, subscribe. We're on Instagram as well as YouTube at the Lily Dot Podcast. Um, we're also on TikTok as well. 
same handle. And if you would like to support us in an even more impactful way, please head over to our Etsy shop and check out some of our products. We do sell this particular mug as well as some other things that I think are really interesting. I created and designed all the products myself. So please, please check it out. And also, if you are a Christian and you have a testimony that you would like to share, we would love to speak with you. We would love to have you on the show. Please head over to Instagram and send us a DM and we'll talk about how we can get you scheduled to come on the podcast. Thank you again so much. Your support really does mean the world to me.